0: and you don't want to go see the disco biscuits. Yeah, it was uh do you want me to just kind of like tell you what happened or you got, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, go for it, man. Okay. So, I picked him up. Uh he hadn't slept and was already in just pretty great shape and <laughs> so I drove him all the basically all nearly all the way down there. And we got down there uh and we pulled into somewhere around Bourbon Street and we're about to pull into a parking garage and as we we're pulling into the parking garage this truck came barreling down I mean fast out of the parking garage and the metal uh, like, garage door gate was coming down and this dude was trying to beat it and it was obvious that he wasn't going to make it so the first thing we see as we're trying to park is this truck coming out of the parking garage and <laughs> that gate's coming down and he just smashes it I was like well I guess we're in the right place so we get there we kind of hung out on Bourbon Street a little bit and then it was at yeah the Disco Biscuits at uh, Tipitina's Uptown and the show started it started like around 2 a.m. or something kind of got into a little bit of some eating some rolls and stuff and the Disco Biscuits played their first set and then it just in there had a real weird vibe like the crowd was a little different than normal and I remember that it was just like everything just kind of seemed a little bit darker and it was like these mobster type dudes were standing um, like around the back walls and it was just it was really strange uh, the vibe in there but anyways the show was awesome go outside and it's daylight you know and just like whoa just right right. the reality starts setting in okay i've got to get back to abilene (laughs) and so we get out there and we're like okay well we need to get back to our car and our plan was really to go back down to bourbon street and just have a few drinks and hang out for a while Mm -hmm. and then go home so we get out there and it is just a traffic jam of people trying to get a taxi cab trying to get back to bourbon street Like, oh my goodness you know no shortage of taxis a ton of people where well, this dude kind of pulls up on the street or in front there of the the bar and he's in this like old van you know uh it's just it, was, it seems like it was it was just an old van dude and a girl were sitting up front we saw him from the street and they're like well you know come on we'll take you down to bourbon street I don't remember if they were standing outside the van and we were talking to them I really don't remember that too much, but regardless, they agreed to take us to bourbon Street one way or the other. We're like awesome, so we climb in the van and they t- we take off and the dude's talking to us, and he's kind of just I don't know instantly you know he's he's he was t- I don't know if he was in the show or not uh or what his deal was, but he was saying something, it seems like like he was a drummer, and then he was asking us if we had any pot, and, you know, he was wanting to smoke some pot, and then we're like, no, we don't have anything on us, man, and, <laughs> and he, he goes on to say something like he's got a pound of weed under his seat, and we're like, well, why, if, you, if you've got that, why do you need to pump a little butt off of us? You've got a pound under your seat. Well, the whole time, this girl sitting with him is just staring straight ahead. Doesn't say a word, and it just has this, you know, it's just it was real creepy. Her mannerisms and her like, oh, like isn't it like oh my goodness, we're we're doing this, you know. That's the feeling. So we're going down, we're going down the road, and then he picks up on that he's not taking us to Bourbon Street. He's like, man, you're going the wrong way, and the guys go, I, I know, I would to know how to get there, and. So he gets up, and we go over this big turn, like, overturn, and next thing you know, we're on a toll road, man, and he's headed away from New Orleans, and he's talking real crazy. I don't remember all the stuff he was saying. We were in that car, him talking crazy, and I was just getting a worse and worse feeling and really familiar with, like, hallucinogens and paranoia. And maybe even uh, like psychosis nearly, you know, and those feelings, but knowing that it's not real, but still having those that paranoia, but, you know, knowing it's not real. I had that paranoia that it was, I mean, just because I was, all, you know, on something like this was really happening, like, and I knew it and me and Vinny didn't say a word to each other. I mean, we were and we we were finally heading down this toll road. We finally slowed down enough, and we were hitting a uh, to- one of the and this is like the morning traffic is out. You know, we're like 8 a.m. You know, people on the road, like traffic, all this stuff. And we pull up uh, to one of the toll gates, and this was before like the toll tags and all that. People throw, you know, that you slow down to throw your 50 cents in the in the toll lane and i looked over at vinagone or vinnie and he uh looked at me and we did not say one word to each other but we both had the exact same feeling and vinnie grabbed that uh sliding door of that van and opened it and we jumped out on the middle of that freeway and took off running and it's a it's really a miracle that we didn't get hit by a car because i wasn't looking right, you know, to the right to see anything coming. I just knew, like, we had to get out of that car. He opened the door, we didn't, I mean, we didn't talk about it, we just did it. Ran out, the dude puts his car in reverse and, (laughs) like, backs up and yells at us. He's like, get back in the van, get back in the van. And we just took off running across the freeway up this little grassy hill. And sat down and like, holy crap. And kind of, we started really talking, like, man, that dude, like, he was psychotic. He was just rambling this crazy stuff. I wish I could remember what it was. I just remember it being so crazy. When we got out of the car and got, went up this grassy hill and we're sitting there and we tried to call, the, the dude had taken us so far away that the cab drivers that were on the Bourbon Street beat would not, we were too far for them to come and even pick us up. Dude, it was the feeling like when we turned around and left that town of like getting chewed up and just spit out of New Orleans. (laughs) I do remember walking back down Bourbon Street. I had that feeling. It It was really weird. Like, as I was walking down that street, like the feeling of near demons, like lined up on my shoulder on my shoulders and you know headed down the street with me had a real big impression on me and i was i was like i'm never in my life gonna set foot in this town again and i haven't
1: In Abilene That were older than me One of them was Actually an author In the uh, He was a big Thomas Wolfe fan And his name was Herm And I mean For the life of me I can't tell you His real name You know You know how these people They get these nicknames And it sticks with them But he drove This like 1951 or 52 Cadillac That was the biggest boat you have ever seen right it was a convertible but it no longer had a roof at all it was
2: permanently converted
1: permanently convertible and it had like you know like cowhide seats like cow leather seats but it was old enough that like basically he had put like old Grateful Dead tour t-shirts lined the car for you know the upholstery And then he had a, I mean, like a three and a half, four foot rack of longhorns (laughs) that were, you know, the longhorns without them being like attached to a, a board, like a set of horns. Yeah. And he had them tied around the grill, like with big old thick, like two inch rope. You know, on the front of his Cadillac, just like, you know, straight out of central casting of what these people must think, you know, goes on in Texas. Yeah. That's what was going on with Herm's car. It was a Cadillac from the 50s that was as big as this room that had a bigger than life set of longhorns across the front of it and tie dye T-shirt seats. This dude was, I mean, he's just a wandering gypsy, but he and... Another friend of ours by the name of Aaron Stark go- are going to New Orleans <laughs> for Jazz Fest a few years prior, and they're just drive. They drive down in Herm's convertible, and somewhere along, like Pontchartrain area, as they're rolling into town, it starts to rain, and of course they have no cover on. There's no roof to this convertible, yeah. open top, and they're powering through to go see fish or panic or something, and. Stark pulls out a Umbrella and pops it Open and is holding it over He and Herm's head in the convertible As they're driving into New Orleans And the first exit Off of you know 10 Into the city And he's like they exit They loop around you know they come up And they're at a stoplight and it's like right there Kind of in the shady part of New Orleans A shady part of New Orleans yeah. Like there's the shady part <laughs> right. And that this Cadillac that's like a 2000 something Cadillac pulls up next to him totally tricked out rims on it and there's a a black dude in like a purple suit with like a purple hat feather again straight out of central casting (laughs) with his window down and a cigar in his mouth and he pulls up next to him and looks at him and Aaron who looks exactly like Will Ferrell like I've never seen a guy he he's like will ferrell and elf he's that like uncomfortable he's big right he just has this goofy ass look on his face all the time he's smart as a whip but he's fucking hilarious and he just has he's holding this umbrella up over he and herm's head looking in this as ludicrous giant, as can be yeah in this giant Cadillac <laughs> with long horns on the front of it and he looks at this black dude And the Cadillac next to him And the black dude pulls a cigar out of his mouth He's wearing sunglasses at night The whole bit And he just goes Welcome to New Orleans,
0: players."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Our joke is always like You've earned instant credibility When you roll into New Orleans And you roll it so deep That you immediately like The pimpest motherfucker on the block Is like (laughs) What up, baby? <laughs> to these two white kids.
2: Yeah. And a giant Cadillac. He looked over and said, Those guys are fucking legit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are rolling deep. <laughs> All right. So the show's called OK Talk. Find us online. Matt wants to really focus on Facebook likes. So let's channel our energy, let's Facebookians.
2: Like the page, not only like the page, but there's a little, <clears throat> there's a little menu that you can go to that says, um, something to, along the lines of show, show me the posts from this page because they don't always get surfaced. So if you check that, you'll see everything that we do, um, as soon as we post it. And then on top of that, like the posts, share them big time and messages. We will, we will respond.
1: And if you want to talk smack, send me an email. I'll respond.
2: Yep. I'm not scared of you okay talk podcast at gmail.com i haven't
1: gotten any threatening (laughs) emails yet
2: (laughs) they're coming i i'm I'm sure they're on the way um and then twitter.com slash okay talk show uh follow us on there as well yeah 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 always posting crazy stuff
1: so we were gonna tell you folks a story as we like to do and um So I Googled missing people in New Orleans Mm -hmm. and a story from the New York Daily News came up that said New Orleans man whose colleague didn't want to date him, kidnaps her and takes her to his quote house of horrors.
2: How long ago was this? (coughs) November. Really?
1: Yeah. A spurned New Orleans man kidnapped by the colleague who rejected him and brought her to wait. That doesn't make any sense. A spurned New Orleans man kidnapped the colleague who rejected him and brought her to his house of horrors, Friday police said. Investigators f- from the 36-year-old woman's hometown of nearby Kenner, Louisiana said Mario Perez Rogue, 56, and an accomplice took her to a lime green shotgun home in, mid- in the mid-city area where he had chains, locks, and zip ties the kidnappers had thrown a bag over her head and gagged her, but she managed to free one of her hands and escape after they left his residence that morning. New Orleans police told the New York, the New Orleans Times, picayune Good If you could see this guy, I guess you can. Yeah, turn this that...
2: dude. Oh, wow. I can't imagine why he would be spurned by somebody
1: investigators believe he had tried to hold his former janitorial service colleague in a house equipped with cameras all over and a tiny holding cell hidden beneath loose tie tiles in the bedroom oh great you know the that's old, not his first rodeo no the old let me remove the tiles and take you to my dungeon bitch the woman told police she had re- rejected his romantic advances on the job and showed them marks on her skin where her legs and arms had been tied up. Basically, the House of Horrors is what we call it because there was a two-way mirror inside the house. There were trap doors and false walls. Oh, wow, this
2: guy was some H.H. Holmes-type Holmes uh yeah. Stuff going on.
1: U.S. Marshals cuffed Perez Rogue in Metairie late Friday, but police had to, had yet to capture the other man. He was a Cuban immigrant. Wait, the woman was a Cuban immigrant who didn't speak English and didn't get a good look at the accomplice because of the bag they had placed <laughs> over her head. The reason, folks, that we are looking up. Stories of missing people in New Orleans. So this is something that uh, happened to my roommate by the name of William. Are you hearing from?
2: Yeah, I'll have to go here in about 20. We can.
1: Hey, honey, I'm hammered. <laughs> Chris Farley is off the stage.
2: String of characters.
1: Every time I think of a bachelorette party, I just think of that Patrick Swayze SNL where Chris Farley cam- comes out and does the Chippendale yeah. dance.
2: Brilliant. Um, so anyway. Yeah, let's get into this.
1: All
2: right. So the year is
1: 2002 and my roommate and another friend are going to Jazz Fest. Specifically, to see a band by the name of the Disco Biscuits. The Disco Biscuits. You want to talk jam band. That's a jam band. Yeah. for you. Um, so William drives from Abilene, and I think picks Vinnie up in Austin, and they roll into New Orleans, and a funny story about like how they're just getting to Bourbon Street, and they and, go straight
2: through, right? Like, yeah, this is a:
1: They drive all the way down there.
2: It's a long haul.
1: They're looking for uh, they're, they're looking for a parking spot immediately when they get into town. They pull into a parking garage, and as they're entering the parking garage, a, they hear this screech and a wheel, and a truck comes around the corner of the other side of the parking garage and bashes through the <laughs> the barrier that won't let you out if you don't pay or whatever. It was like that was my entry into New Orleans. <laughs> completely random <laughs> some guy trying to run a except nothing is random well yes that's true so they go to this show it's at tipatina's uptown which is tipatina's really cool restaurant um the guy who owns tipatina's owns popeye's fried chicken mm-hmm. and it's one of the more well-known jazz venues in the city and the disco biscuits of course jazz fest so there's you know jazz fest goes on at the like the racetrack, basically, the horse races. And there's, you know, the bands that are playing at Jazz Fest proper, but all over the city, every club in New Orleans has somebody in it till all hours of the night. I mean, the city is just like, it's 9 a.m. till 9 a.m., you know, Jazz Fest all weekend. They're going to see the Disco Biscuits at Tipitina's, and the show doesn't start till 2 a.m. I mean, again the band's name is the disco biscuits and uh william and vinnie are partying i mean there's no other way to say it we don't have to get into anything there's no like the reason that they were intoxicated has nothing to i mean may have something to do with this story but it's not like oh they were intoxicated so they mistook what was happening right exactly because what happened was basically they get out of the show and the sun is up so you know you go into tipitinas at 2 a.m and it's middle of the night party town shows over and they kick you out onto the streets in new orleans and the sun is up six o'clock or something like that six and so there's this horde of people outside and they wanted to obviously not drive and they had a hotel room or something and wanted to get to their said hotel room Or we're just going to get a ride to their car. Details are hazy, but it doesn't matter. But basically, they're asked by a woman if they need a ride. And they, you know, accept this kindly woman's shifty offer of a ride and get in the back of a van only to quickly figure out that this van is not taking them into the city where they're parked at this garage.
2: Things are not as they seem.
1: Yeah, Tipitina's is uptown. Bourbon Street would be in the quarter. So they're not going back to the quarter. They're being, he told me, basically, he looked out the window and he realized all of a sudden they were on a bridge heading out of town. Mm -hmm. And they were like, he said that, you know, what he remembers was that the two of them were acting really weird in the front seat. And, you know, initially that he would ask them a question, you know, like, Hey, what are you guys up to? You know, what do y'all do? Just trying to be cool. And that they kept like getting shifty looks at each other and one word answers or no answers. Yeah. And so that basically Vinny and William realized at the same time, like hey wait a minute we're not going to our car right
2: i mean this is not just a wrong turn situation no they're this headed a, out of town yeah you're going in the complete wrong direction
1: and they kind of are giving each other looks like what's this and william's like hey man i think you guys are going the wrong way no response look at each other hey seriously where where are you guys going No response. In fact, the van speeds up. Hmm. And at this point, they're significantly starting to freak out.
2: Understandably so.
1: And that really what he said saved them was morning traffic. And that there was some sort of a construction area where there was kind of a backup. And basically, he and Vinny, like, looked at each other as they slowed down at this point, not to a complete stop, but Vinny slung the door open, and they both jumped out. In the middle of the highway. In the middle of the highway. The van stops, and the woman gets out yelling at them to get back in the van, get back in the van, and they're like.
2: And they're just running across lanes of traffic. In fact, doesn't he say that the, he, the guy throws it in reverse?
1: Yeah, comes it's back tries to come back after him. Yeah, and then that basically because of the traffic flow, couldn't get to him. They cut across lanes of traffic. Unbelievable. I mean, that wonder how missing person cases happen.
2: That's, I mean, that's an inside look. What else could that be? There, there's absolutely no other reason for them for that to have happened. Then they're taking you somewhere. I mean, I don't know what human trafficking Are they just going to try to ransom you like who knows what was going on there. Take you out to a shack and sacrifice you to the devil. Yeah. A little Matamoras death cult action going on, which I would not be surprised at all if that kind of stuff was going on in New Orleans. All you have to do is
1: watch the first season of True Detective (laughs) to realize the level of creepiness that could occur and being jacked in Louisiana. Right.
2: Which none of that is uh is out of out of I, will, I won't say none of it is out of the ordinary, but it's not not unheard of that's not far fetched necessarily right um i think but what a perfect
1: i even think and I think I've mentioned that you know i had a big i was a big ann rice fan, and I even feel like am one of those. in one of those first couple of novels that she's talking about speaking as Lestat that new Orleans is such a great place to be a vampire because there are people that come there almost with the intention of being missing almost with the intention of um giving themselves up and it you know that And again, we're talking about a vampire situation here, like that, you know, oftentimes when he would take a victim or whatever, you know, kind of reliving in those moments, like their drinky boozy experience, you know, you could taste the hurricane on them in their blood.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you have people that, I mean, New Orleans is just one of those cities where people show up for a million different reasons. And I I suspect for a good number of those people, it's just, I don't know, you know, looking, looking to get away. Like you said, looking to give themselves up like they have. It's just seems like a place to go when you have maybe nothing else going on. You know what I mean? Like this is a place where you can go and kind of get lost in the crowd. And
1: well, and again, and it's kind of a it in this part of the country there's a real like rite of passage to go into new orleans and yeah. getting fucked up and going on bourbon street you know
2: yeah it's i mean in in some ways it's similar to i mean not completely similar but it's you know the scene like you saw down in south padre right when that kid went missing because that was go to south padre go to matamoras go go crazy in town go see a home. donkey bang a hooker yeah stumble home and it's a lot of the same attitudes are going on in in New Orleans, where people will pick up, like you, you know, like your friends did, pick up, drive down there in the, you know, all day, and just be down there in the middle of the night for one reason or another. And I mean, it it takes two seconds for someone to to say, "Hey, jump in," and you're gone.
1: Two of my favorite places on the planet that I've ever been. Give me the exact same feeling after being there. One of them is New Orleans, and the other place is Amsterdam.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it very much like romantic, ancient cities with a lot of culture, you know, in a place where you can go and learn. I mean, I've seen, you know, virtuosos. In New Orleans, playing live music, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: I've been in the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, specifically to be in the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, you yeah. know? But then at the same time, like, after three days, I was ready to get the fuck out of both of those places because of the creep factor.
2: The Cities like that, the veil is very thin <laughs> between... The dark and the light,
1: and again, two port cities, yeah, I mean two cities on the water, places where people come through
2: I mean can you can you imagine I mean, this type of shenanigans going on this day and age? can you imagine back in the day when ships were going in and out of there? I mean, you hear about on the west coast people being Shanghai, literally being dropped through the floor of a bar into Mm -hmm. a dungeon and then taken out to the ports and taken off to China or wherever Mm -hmm. can you imagine the amount of stuff going on in and out of New Orleans I mean people people had to just go missing all the time
1: well and again the reason that New Orleans has a jazz culture that Afro beat of New Orleans comes from you know the center of the city where the slaves would basically like have their religious day, which centered around drums and chants and incantations and dancing. And that's where that jazz came from. I mean, that's the, like the whole, you know, again, you throw in French Creole Haitian, you know, you have all these people of color, from all over the world coming into a port city, they're all being dumped in together. And that's where you get like a gumbo basically of anti-European belief. And I mean, that's why new Orleans is the home of jazz. That's why that, I mean, that is the culture, that voodoo culture, that that's where that all comes from. Right. And Again, it has to do with the boats coming in, dumping people off, plantations. It's a crazy little tale of someone nearly getting abducted.
2: I just think about how how easily it happened to them. People who were, you know... Well, I mean, these these aren't dumb people.
1: No, they're right. both very affluent. Now, I mean, they both were inebriated. Sure. Not to the point of... I mean, obviously, they weren't so inebriated that they couldn't escape. And that's, and, right. and that's probably the difference between...
2: But not any more than any any average person leaving a show like that, right? Right,
1: yeah. <laughs> more or, <laughs> right. or less. More or, or, less. or
2: less. But, I mean, it's easy to get blackout drunk and not under not know what's going on
1: well and i mean i think i tell william in that conversation that you heard that the psychedelics probably saved him yeah that i mean if he wasn't if he was just hammered on hurricanes by that point in the morning he would have been done cakes but the fact that they were actually taking psychedelics kept them lucid enough to you know the booze would wear off but you know and you could power through it yeah. instead of the just like oh I'm drunk and hungover or I'm drunk and passed out.
2: Are we gonna roll that audio?
1: We may. Yeah, I don't know. It's whatever you think. I'll probably play a little bit of it. You know, either at the beginning or the end.
2: I'd say I'd say pepper in the relevant bits.
1: Small peppers. <laughs> uh
2: but yeah, that's that's the frightening thing to me is that how how easily that went down, and if you were just slightly off your game they'd have been gone for all intents and purposes right who knows what was going on out there but how easily that could happen to just some you know random dude i mean like i mean people must disappear from bourbon street all the time yeah and again it's like
1: we were talking about in the Matamoras situation that Nine times out of ten, it's people that don't matter, that disappear. It's when it's somebody that does matter, when it's the blonde-haired girl in the Vandersloot case right, that is the one that disappears, that it becomes national news. Right.
2: Well, When, there's, when there are people looking for them.
1: I mean, this is the exact same reason why, you know, minorities, African Americans, b- blow up about this kind of thing where they're like, You know, you get a little girl that's white and missing, you know, she's all over CNN and all over MSNBC. You get a little black girl that's missing. She may be on a milk carton for two days. It's true. Yeah. But down there, you know, generally, if you're picking someone off, you know, you're going to pick somebody off that's not going to raise a stink.
2: Did they ever tell anybody about,
1: you know, authority type? Fuck no. (laughs) Nobody that they ran just, in my circle was telling the authorities <laughs> about anything that was going on. This was all internal. There was no ever a question. Let's alert the authorities. In fact, that group of people were more afraid of the authorities <laughs> than they were of any body snatchers. Body snatchers.
2: I mean, they, they got so far out. You said that they, the cabs that run Bourbon Street would we, not come, wouldn't and, get come and get them. Which is where they were trying to get to.
1: Which basically means, I mean, they were either headed, you know, like out to Metairie, east of New Orleans, or back, you know, wait, I mean, west of New Orleans, whatever, what, what, no, east of New Orleans towards Metairie, or, Mm -hmm. you know, back, back west, back like Lake Pontchartrain area. Yeah. (coughs) Yeah. it's crazy and creepy and i'll tell you this i've never seen a couple of dudes as horrified as those guys because pretty much like 10 hours later they were sitting in my living room
2: telling you that story yeah because they they got to their car and got out of town immediately immediately
1: which from the garage that still did not have a gate (laughs) because the day before a truck had just rammed through the gate yeah As That that was their, like, welcome to New Orleans. So you heard us mentioning the welcome to New Orleans. Have I told you about the welcome to New Orleans story?
2: You have told me. I don't know that you said it on the air. I don't
1: know if I have either. But basically, this is just, this is why I, I kind of enjoy doing this podcast. Because I have this, I've lived this crazy life of meeting some of the most outlandish characters that, seriously jump like they jump off the page of a novel and yeah. William is one of them. And I lived with him for three years. And I mean, he had a dog who was a Jedi. His dog ate. <laughs> he had a white boxer named Spitter who ate like a pound of mushrooms <laughs> of psychedelic mushrooms. Good Lord, and They came home and Spitter had completely trashed their stash and was like laid out on the floor behind a chair like on his side like panting and his eyes were just completely dilated
2: floating a foot off the ground well
1: i mean he was but like physically he was laying there on the ground and then like 12 hours later he got up and william was like he came and sat on the couch and he looked at me and i swear he spoke to me mentally like he was just like hello william And he really was. He was a Jedi. That dude. uh, Again, we could talk. I could talk about Spitter for hours, (laughs) just the stories that that guy provided. But anyway, so I lied last week. Okay. Today was the actual premiere of The Beast of Whitehall.
2: I hear it went well. I saw them posting on Facebook.
1: It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy thanks to everyone for the kind words i'm a minor 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 player in in the production but uh
2: it all goes towards a uh, a fabulous film who i definitely think you should check it out i yeah. put in my kickstarter back backing to get me a copy
1: it's really weird to be referred to as clinton of okay talk <laughs> fame ah uh, but thanks for listening i i am said clinton i'm matt and uh let's see it's march it feels like it's may outside
2: i, I did yard work today for the first time in oh well i guess since the since the fall
1: had a soccer game this morning. Not me go. personally, but yeah. kid's soccer game. And uh, I personally saw babies ripping off clothes because they were overdressed by parents coming out that morning. Oh, really? And as soon as everyone got out there underneath the baking sun. was yeah, like, no yeah, hot outside. Baby personally took his, like he had like knitted booties on. He's like, I'm not having this. I'm taking them all.
2: <laughs> so anyway, uh, give us a like on facebook.com slash OK Talk Like us there. We post anytime there's a new episode. So like that, share that, get that out there to your friends. That means a lot to us. Twitter.com slash OK Talk Check that out. podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Gotten some really great messages on both email and and on Facebook. And I don't know, that's a lot of fun. Just cool conversations going on off the air. And uh I I enjoy that. We got some really great listeners out there that uh This is
1: such so different than our normal gig where I will totally ignore oh, yeah. emails from listeners.
2: I, I could not care less. I get emails and voicemails from listeners and I'm just delete. Yeah, I I guarantee ninety five percent of the time, whatever they're saying is wrong.
1: (laughs) You've you've played me some of those. Uh You may need to start.
2: I need to start saving those. Yeah, yeah.
1: We may even need to give your phone number is like the voicemail for the show. (laughs) Which I remember when I had my voicemail up there that I would every couple of months I would get an email from engineering and it that was just like basically your email and voice your voicemail is the reason that we do not have any more room on the (laughs) server please delete messages people just
2: leave you i still see mail for you on occasion
1: you still need to be grabbing mail you see for me
2: i well it's not it's not often it is it it may be
1: well that place will get mail for me once or
2: twice a year
1: until the rest of until the you know
2: Anne Marie still getting mail up there. Like, yeah,
1: of course. She was the one that said that's the great thing about radio: your name lives in infamy.
2: Yeah. Who are these people that don't exist anymore? That are getting books sent to them, or still you know?
1: get email, still get mail for David Gold? And mm-hmm. yeah, you need to grab whatever you see with my yeah. name on it, though. I told Tyler that it's still mine. Damn it! <laughs> it's
2: still mine. It is addressed to me. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're very, we're very responsive. In fact, we have the uh, very responsive badge on Twitter now, or not on Twitter, on Facebook now. Kind of proud of that. That means we respond to our messages quickly. So if you send us an email or Facebook message, we will get back to you. Um, it will be read and it will be responded to, at least to say thank you. And I do mean that sincerely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, uh, it's interesting the kinds of things that people are interested to engage with us. Like, we both got a lot of response for our discussion of coincidences.
2: Yes. Yeah. People were, uh, we had one fellow reach out and say coincidences are just coincidences. Which I don't get that argument. I mean... You can believe that if you want. I don't know. I kind of looked at it as... I'm sure there are... I mean, I'm not just saying that I believe. There are simple instances of coincidence, but I don't think you can... I don't know. It's not interesting to me to simply write everything off as uh, not having to do with something.
1: Yeah, well, here's the reason that I don't think anything is random. Like, there's saying that a buddy and I have between each other that you know wow that's random nothing is random yeah and it's just like if you look at it from like a scientific pers- you know scientific angle perspective that that's kind of what mathematics is like a jumble of numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers until you see a pattern right and i feel like The reason that coincidences aren't coincidences and the reason that stuff isn't random, hashtag random, (laughs) WTF random, is because put in those positions, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. We don't have to talk about it. I just, uh, you choose to either think that stuff is or isn't. I like to think that the universe speaks to you in different
2: ways. Well, even if it—I'll say even if it just means something to you, then that's more than simple randomness, you know? Yeah. If you, if you find meaning in it, which you can— You are only
1: your experience.
2: Right. And and you are, you know, you're not only a observer of the universe, you are part of the universe— and in that way if you derive some sort of meaning from what is presented to you then uh then it's not truly random
1: yeah it's crazy like i think like people don't see a lot of uh skeptics or whatever they don't they like to say things like you know Coincidences are really just that. They're coincidences, and how weird would it be if there weren't coincidences? Wouldn't that be weird? But, like, if you believe in metaphysics and string theory and, uh, you know, quantum physics, where there are a lot of alternate realities going on, and it's funny, a few years ago, that was still like deep science you know yeah you'd see like mishio kaku talking about that and it'd be like man who's that crazy person yeah and now just last week they discover gravitational waves and it's like oh well those people aren't as crazy as you think yeah and that's science there's nothing paranormal about it it, it really may just be like there's a scientific explanation for it right All right, I'm Clint.
2: I'm Matt. We out.